Praise the Lord. It's Wednesday night. Wednesday nights are special. There's Roy. <laughs> you were missed. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I want to pray before I get started. Father, I thank you for this night. I thank you for what you're doing in this church. I thank you for the word that comes forth unhindered. Thank you, Lord, for the relationships that are being built. I just appreciate you, Lord, and I appreciate your word. Thank you, Lord. Tonight I'm going to teach on the pasture of the Lord. It sounds like a simple thing. It's the 23rd Psalm, if you were going to go there. And we all know about the 23rd Psalm because it's, it's poetic. It uh, evokes emotion in you when you think about a sheep. Fold in a beautiful place. Do you have that picture up, Kathy? Yeah. Uh, it has flowers. You know, it has all the beautiful scenes. And how many of you have ever just driven by a pasture like that with beautiful, beautiful a scene just to sit by and listen to the gurgling stream and all of that? Well, the pasture of the Lord's a little bit different. Uh, he puts us there. He's the door to it, the gate to it, whereby we can go in and out when he opens. And uh, actually, what we see in Psalms 23 is a, re- a final result of relationship with the shepherd. This is a complete and beautiful picture of relationship, order, and unity. The first verse, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I want to put a phrase in front of each of the, of the verses. It doesn't hurt it, but it opens it up a little bit. I'm going to put the phrase, when the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want. When the Lord is your shepherd, he makes, makes you to lie down in green pastures. He leads you beside the still waters. When the Lord is your shepherd, he restores your soul. When the Lord is your shepherd, he leads you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And... Yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, when the Lord is your shepherd, you shall fear no evil. For for he is with you, and his rod and his staff, they comfort you. When the Lord is your shepherd, he prepares a table before him, before you, in the presence of your enemy. He anoints your head with oil. Your cup runs over. When the Lord's your shepherd, surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, and, and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But the phrase, when the Lord is your shepherd. When David wrote the 23rd Psalm, he was writing it from the perspective 
of a shepherd. He knew what he would do for any of those sheep. But the sheep didn't know it. He knew. So David was writing, probably laid back on a starry night, looking at the heavens. And can you imagine how brilliant they were? Because there wasn't any light around. So you could really see all the stars. And David was writing this, thinking about it, what his relationship to the sheep were, what it, what it was to be a shepherd over sheep. Now, we, reading this from a sheep's perspective, we say, wow, that's just beautiful, and I'll take that for mine, and I can memorize those six scriptures. And we, we just take it and we put it in our pocket, but we aren't peeling back the onion to see what it really means. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. We develop a yielded mindset after many periods of being in the Holy Spirit's pressure cooker. Like a ninja foodie, you know, all those, those new pressure cookers. Man, you got instant this and instant that. Well, my mom used to have a big pot. It was this big round. And we would grow vegetables in our garden, and we'd pick them when they were ready, and we'd wash them, and we'd put them in these these large quart jars, or pint jars, but quart jars, and uh, put liquid inside the jar, and set them down in this huge pot. Well, this huge pot, the fire would be turned on underneath it, the lid would go on top of it, It would be locked. The food wasn't going anywhere. Got it? And there was a gauge on top of it. And it would, it would, in a a little event for the steam to get off the cooker. Okay, visualize this. It's cooking. The steam's going. The pressure's rising. Do any of you equate to this when you get under pressure? I got to get out of here. This isn't working. I'm getting, it's just, this is miserable. And so what we try to do in our lives is break the seal, get out of the pot and go, Phew, that was tough. If, if my mom's pressure cooker lost the seal before the food had pressurized enough, all the food was lost. It would never vacuum seal when she'd take it out. It was useful for nothing. We could eat that day. You know, we could eat a portion of what was in the jars, of course. But for long-term use, for future usefulness, it was lost. This picture the Lord gave me of us being in the pressure cooker of life. And there are seasons that we go through pressurized situations and we have no way of knowing from anything we can see or feel or touch or anyone talking to us. There's no way we can know that this is for my good. It looks like a disaster. Everything, you lose all your friends, 
you know, your bank account goes to NS, non, non-sufficient funds. You lose your house. You lose your cars. This is stuff that's happened to me, okay? I'm just kind of giving you through the years things that have happened. Your husband decides to leave you. Your next husband dies. And your next husband dies. And, you, you know, you're left with a lot of different circumstances. But what we're used to, when we come into this, we come into the, the fold and we're just barely inside, okay? We're just barely through this gate, the Lord. And we, um, we read the 23rd Psalm and so we make all these assumptions that all of this is right here for me now. But the problem is, is it's just started. There's a process. He maketh you to lie down. That's a process. Because when you first get in the cooker, you're wanting to stand up and preach. You're wanting to do your own thing. You're wanting to have a ministry, five-fold ministry. You're wanting to stand on street corners. You're wanting to, you're wanting to be promoted to president of the company because you have favor. You have favor. You do have favor. But you don't have the capacity to walk in that much favor yet because pride is just usually pretty high. Pride in life, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is what we've been trained to walk in. In our carnality, we were trained Get to the top first, first of the line. Get to the first of the line. Take down whoever you need to to become the most popular. Now, we, we were Christians when we were teenagers, but you and I both know in the corporate world, when you first started working, you didn't want to stay in the mailroom. You wanted to climb that ladder. You wanted to, people to bless you all the time. It was all about you. It wasn't about blessing that boss. It wasn't about presenting the salvation plan to the, to the members of your, your team at work. It was about how can you can become the leader of that team. And so there's, there's lots of things that gear our soul. That's our mind, our will, and our emotion. Our soulish area is geared to the carnal mind. And that's why the Lord says that we must be renewed and transformed by the renewing of, in our spirit of our minds. Because the spirit of our minds, is it got broken. It, at the fall, it just got broken. It became self-centered. The first thing that hit Adam was, hide myself, I've done something wrong. He went and hid himself. He became very self-centered. Oh, my goodness, I'm naked. Self. So through the fall and through the years, that deteriorated and deteriorated and deteriorated even more. So what we've got today in the church are levels of people who have a soulish area still damaged. They're claiming they come inside the fence and they're claiming, oh, I'm a Christian now, and uh, but they take their... They take their business model of behavior, they slap a few scriptures on it, and they try to use it in the kingdom of God. 
Well, that isn't how it works. There's a whole new set of guidelines. A whole new set of verbiage. A whole different mindset of elevating everybody else. You know, Jesus, one of the most unique things, you said this about T.L. Osborne. T.L. Osborne became an usher in in a church that he was in. Jesus became a bond servant, the lowliest place you could be, and wash disciples' feet. Even the man that was going to go and betray him, he didn't scold him. He didn't berate him at all. He just washed his feet. The father, he said, I don't do anything I don't see the father doing. So the mindset of the Father, the mindset of the kingdom, is opposite to the world's mindset. So when people come in, the, in here, pastors, uh, the pastor is a guard at the door of the sheep. And so when people come in here pushing their way, pushing because they've accomplished something, and they want this and they want that, it's hard for them to understand That isn't how the kingdom works. The kingdom works off of bond servants. At the bond servant stage, we're guided in. Now, understand the scripture, the 23rd Psalm, he maketh us to lie down. That means you're being girded up in your You're being lessened in your own self-esteem. You're being girded up by the word of God. You're being changed and transformed. And and it says, gird up your mind by the word. Gird it up. And this is so because the armor of the Lord is is a unique protection in that it is It is custom made. You could try to go into the armor of the Lord and all your flab hanging out. Well, guess who gets shot by arrows from the enemy? You got your flesh hanging out. But this custom-made armor fits the girded up. It says to put on your breastplate of righteousness. You know it's not your righteousness, it's his righteousness. So you've come to a little bit of the state of salvation. You've come to a little bit of understanding of who the Lord is. So it, all of this understanding has begun to gird you up in the loins of your mind. You're getting fitted for armor. So that when, when the captain of the host speaks, you move. If, if, if y'all didn't listen to Pastor's sermon last Wednesday night about the Holy Spirit speaks. Get Listen to that this week. It will heal you inside out. That is one of the best sermons I've ever heard. I could hardly sit in my seat. And it was like everything, I, 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 I'm not just blowing smoke. I'm telling you the truth. I was excited listening to that. My notes, I've written all over, you know, how you write every which way. And my page, I was running out of paper. <laughs> I had to go back and reassemble my notes. But the Lord wants us under the word and let the word, the power of the word, heal us. We've got to avail ourselves to the word of God. I'm, I'm old, okay? And so 
I've been saved a long time. I've been saved 61 years. And I've been, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit 45 years. But I feel like I've gotten more growth in the last 15 years than I ever had all of that time up to now. Because I was allowed to stay in a condition in my soul where my armor didn't fit. I had sickness. I had, I've got two artificial knees, for heaven's sakes. I wouldn't have to have them if I knew, knew then what I know now. Come on. I, I, I had all kinds of, just all kinds of junk. I stayed sick all the time. And there was no need for it because I was not where I was hearing the real word. So God began to move me. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Whoa, what a change happened. Baptizing in the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, don't leave here without it. Like your, your American Express card, this is bigger. Don't go anywhere without it. The Holy Spirit, he gives us a language that the devil can't understand. And when we pray in that language, we're praying according to the will of God for ourselves, for our friends. We're praying we're, we're making sounds that cannot be uttered. I want to talk to you about the vision I had last Wednesday. Uh, Bill told a little bit about it. But up uh, in um, one of the songs tonight, it showed the background was, a, was the uh, universe. And it had some spiral things moving in it. And it had, then it had planets. Well, I was back here praying at 9 o'clock. And Hope had brought a, a CD I'd never heard. Y'all probably know it by heart, but... I don't. And uh, one of the songs was, There is a Name. And in it, a phrase came up and it said, Jesus. And when it said Jesus, I just spoke real softly, whispered actually, the name of Jesus. And when I did, the Spirit of God took me somewhere. He took me to outer space. And my word, Jesus, became like a vapor in front of me. And I was moving like fast. You know, like you see these Star Wars things. I was moving like that, but I was going by solar systems and, and planets. And as that vapor would go bomb, they would bow. If a planet can bow, there was a movement like a bow. And I came away just rejoicing. I'd seen it, but then I realized in my system, am I bowing at that name? Am I bowing within me, in my soul? Am I so high-minded still that I'm not bowing and listening to this voice of the Spirit? His name is Holy Spirit. We don't call him the, we call him Holy Spirit. He, that is his name. He has a position. When he goes by, have you ever felt the anointing on somebody when they walk by? Well, I have. I moved. Well, that was the bowing too, I think. But I moved when these two guys walked down the aisle and passed me at college. I went, ooh, what was that? And it was the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The whole class was laying on the floor. Men, six foot plus, would start to walk up to the man to say something, and they'd end up backed up to the wall and sliding down the wall. They could, no one could stand up. People couldn't even get into the room. They would be slain in the spirit, and the man's name is Je- um, um, 
Garcia is his last name. I think it's Jesse Garcia. And, and he's a, a wonderful Mexican man, he and his wife. And, and they just, they, it's, it's amazing. But Jesse Garcia, that kind of doesn't sound right, but I think it is. He was a guest of Greg Moore. They had met earlier, and Greg Moore is one of the professors at, at college. He's over the third-year ministry school at Karis Bible College. And, and Greg was teaching on the Holy Spirit, invited him in. He and his wife came in, and they were teaching on the Holy Spirit and the phenomenal things the Holy Spirit would do. I couldn't even get out of my chair. Well, he walked by, but the both of them put their hand on my head at the same time. I started saying, yah, 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 and, and laughing at the same time saying, yah, 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 yah. And when I tried to talk to somebody about it, I'd go, yo, 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 yo. It was, it was, it was just amazing. It was a different tongue than I'd ever spoken, but it, the Holy Spirit was demonstrating to me I'm capable of taking you over, but that's not the norm. Holy Spirit is a powerful being, a powerful being. We have much to do with him. We need to start yielding and bowing. Our soul issues need to just take a hike. And we need to start aligning ourselves with the most holy faith. We want to be those vegetables in the pressure cooker that can withstand the pressure knowing what comes out of there is going to be useful in the years to come. It's going to be useful. It'll be on the shelf until Holy Spirit says, you now. We, Pastor doesn't just designate this and designate that. He hears from God, and he, he pretty much said, you now, when, when you asked me to teach. But that, that's just about how clear it was. I didn't tell him I was a teacher. I don't think I ever told you I was a teacher. Holy Spirit told him, and, and uh, I, I love, uh, my mouth starts salivating when I get it think I'm going to get to teach. I mean, I love teaching. And what it, what it is is because it's real. He tells me this is a parable. He told me that. Driving down the road, I stopped at an intersection, and there were birds. You know how birds get on the high lines? There were those birds. He said, look at that. It's a parable. And so it was a Sunday morning early, and I was heading up here to teach. And he said, see those birds? He said, each one of them. I made each one of them where they give space to each other so they can. You notice how they'll adjust? When one gets off the line, those others will adjust. They're spaced out just so, it's so they can fly. So they, they, don't, they have grace space between them. They have grace for each other. That is God-given. God did that. Watch them. Watch the high lines. I get people from all over sending me pictures where they've seen it from all over the world. They see these, these, these birds, and they, they, it's called grace space. We need to have grace space for one another. We need to give each other space so we can fly. I'm not going to fly to suit everybody else. But when I take off, I've got to hear the instruction of the Lord. And it may just be a little different than what you've heard. 
I want to take you inside a setting. It's in Matthew 26. Y'all know this story. The woman who poured out the flask of oil on Jesus' feet. Okay, I'm going to set it up. The leper had been healed. He got his home restored to him. He couldn't live there. With leprosy, he got healed. So that was restored to him. He was thankful. And the first thing he did is open up that house and invited 15 people plus to dinner. Here the disciples were there. The woman from the street, she brought the most valuable thing she owned and poured it out on him. But the 15 disciples were looking at it and they were indignant. It didn't match up with what their soul said they needed to do with them. You see the stage of their growth? They couldn't see the God work the woman was doing, the God work that the leper had been quickened by Holy Spirit to do. They saw in their high-mindedness and their unrenewed soul area, they saw... The price of that could have been it could have been sold, and it could have gone to the poor. Do you see the difference in the in the growth? One, they are going to have to go through some pressure to get the mindset of this little woman who heard Holy Spirit say, "Take the most valuable thing you've got, go over there and give it to the Master." Her name is held up as a memorial. Jesus was not happy with them. He was like, okay, I'm going to, do you not know that she's done this thing for me, to bless me for my burial, and you, this is, you'll always have the poor with you. But do you see, the Holy Spirit has a specific timing. She was taken off the shelf. She was ready for use. She had something she was supposed to do, and it was huge when she did it. It became a memorial. It was a God work versus a good work. Good works, we're going to have them where we can do them. They're not sin necessarily, but it's better. There's a better thing when you hear from Holy Spirit the timing that he says it, and you step when Holy Spirit says, now. Getting the timing down is what's important. Our, NASA took a, a, a screenshot. They, they, they developed all these mathematical formulas. Oh, I wish Libby was, uh, Lily was here. Oh, I wish she was here. Lily worked for NASA. She helped put up the space shuttle. She's brilliant. She's a mathematician. Well, Lily, they, 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 they did all this mathematicians, and it was everything that really the first beginning of big major computers, and you know how big those things were. They filled with the rooms and had punch cards and all of that. If you haven't watched Hidden Figures, get that movie. It's wonderful, and it's true, true story. Anyway, here they plotted a course. To the moon, how many course corrections had to be made before they got there? 
Y'all know? I don't know either. I'm just acting smart. But just being funny, but <laughs> it was a lot. They'd have to recalculate and recalculate. Well, the Holy Spirit, he just says now and it works. Now and it works. When, you first, when I first started my ministry, God made sure I had people gathered around me. And I was in the middle of writing a book and, and precious Precious saints came around me encouraging. They were so precious. And uh, some of them were over-enthusiastic and under-exaggerating. And, you know, I just thought I was grander than sliced bread. It was just wonderful. (laughs) Well, I want you to know I spent the whole last year on the edge of a cliff. This is where I learned about the pressure cooker. I was on the edge of a cliff. If, If God didn't bring it... I was going to have to not eat. I would find loaf bread uh, cakes on my front porch. I would find my brand of expensive coffee hanging on the door. I would find people would walk from a this pretty good sized church. I think it, I don't know how much how many seats do we see to eight hundred in here or five hundred or you don't know okay but. It was a huge, it seated a thousand. And God would tell this person, go give her money. Well, by the time they got to me, it had doubled. In their mind, he doubled it. They'd write me a check and hand it to me. And this happened over and over and over. It'd be exactly what I needed to get by. Exactly. But we're not talking about... We're talking about barely getting by. And so I made a game with my soul. I decided, okay, I refuse to fear. I'm going to, try, I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to swing my legs a little and just sit here and try to enjoy the pressure because it was there. I couldn't make my tuition. I went to the dean of, men, dean of school and I said, I think, it, I think I'm going to have to leave school. And he looked at me and he said, we have scholarships. And I said, you do? And he said, yeah. He said, why don't you apply? I don't think there's any impediment of you not getting one. I don't think you would be refused. I did. And they did. They gave me a scholarship. And I got, my tuition was paid. And this whole last year of my schooling was like that. It was like the Holy Spirit would have to tell me things, dumb things. It was like just ordinary, insignificant things, but it was Holy Spirit talking to me. Holy Spirit, show up here, show up there. It became to be, ooh, I wonder what he's going to say. So I made a date with him. On Saturday mornings, everybody I knew knew not to call me early because it started at 7 o'clock, and by 2.30, 3 o'clock, maybe I'd be over. But I started being very quiet in my house. And I would tiptoe around. I put on my face just in case. Had my face on, my hair ready, but then I stayed in my jammies and I was real quiet. Just sipped coffee and didn't make much noise. And the Holy Spirit would just come make himself known to me. We would have conversations. I said to him one morning, I'm so thankful to be in your presence. And he said, I'm thankful to be in your presence. It staggered me for him to say that because I thought, me? You're, 
you know, I, I didn't realize how personable. He is the very express image of God. And he wants to know us on a level that we only just guess at. We kind of romanticize it somehow. But Holy Spirit wants to know us. Uh, let's go into John 10, 1 through 17, 1 through 11. I want to get into the fact that Jesus is the door to the sheepfold. And if we, we're in the sheepfold, we're in this pasture, and uh, <clears throat> if we see something on the outside that we really want to get involved in, sometimes we climb over the fence. We just got to do it. We got to do it. Well, anything that pushes us is not Holy Spirit. It's just not. He's a gentleman. He said, any door you're supposed to walk through, I'll open it. He'll open it. And it's because Jesus is the door to the sheepfold. Anything we get outside of him, he gladly will open the door when the time's right. He doesn't do anything outside the Father's wishes. So he'll open it when the time's right. I don't want to be out there. The Holy Spirit's never late. He's never early. He's always there in a timely fashion. He always does things on time. It's never too late, never too early. So we want to be walking in the Lord. Let me get here. The door in the pasture, uh, the door to the pasture is the Lord, is Jesus. When he opens, the sheep may go in and out and find pasture. He has provision outside that fence when it's his timing. So you don't want to go when the state of things out there is a desert. That would be odd for the for the Lord to put you in a desert, unless you're Moses. And he had a pressure cooker called the desert for Moses. Moses learned a lot. In verse, uh, let's, let's John 10, verses 1 through 11. It says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Sheep don't lead the shepherd. The shepherd leads the sheep. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice, yet they, will, yet they will by no means follow a stranger. See, they've had their ear attuned in the, in the process. But will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we no longer heard the enemy and moved by what he said? Wouldn't that be a happy day when no longer the enemy could trick us? We learned the voice of our shepherd so much and so well that we, we wouldn't follow. We wouldn't even consider. Well, let me tell you what sickness does. 
Sickness is a thief, and it comes with a word into the ear. The first sign of sickness, the first thing sickness will do is tempt you in your mind. But when you have a mind that says, I am the healed of the Lord, it begins to reject. We're the healed of the Lord. We might have to deal with sickness, but we sickness is not our norm. We resist it. It is not sickness. It is not part of us. It may attach itself temporarily to us, but we're the, we're the healed dealing with sickness. We're not the sick trying to be healed. We're the healed. See, that's the mindset that the Spirit has. You're healed. You're healed. You're healed. That's the mindset we should have is that we're healed. So immediately a flag comes up. Even in your sleep, you'll wake up and say no. When you're tempted, when the temptation comes. When you hear the ad that says, you know what they say. It's so that you'll get sick and use what they want you to buy. I mean, it's all about money. It certainly doesn't promote us. It doesn't promote the Lord. But we're in a season when the temperatures change automatically. If we don't have a healing in the soul, we'll go. We we'll, we won't push that out of our thinking. Let's get healed. Let's get. Let's stay in the pressure cooker and get and get this. Get this so we can be used on the in the field. Let's let's fill up our cellar with useful things that we, the Holy Spirit will have something to choose from in our pantry. That, that if he needs this, so-and-so can be used. And no longer. I mean, when you learn to get, stay in the pressure cooker, you're not going to be jealous of somebody else that's getting it right. You're going to be thankful. You won't be jealous. You'll be thankful because your mind will have changed some. You won't gauge. You won't be jealous because it isn't the mind of the Spirit. See, we want the mind. Let's, let's look here. Let's, look, uh, let's read some more. Go on down. It says, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. See, we won't hear the thieves and the robbers. We won't hear them because we've developed this mind. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. More abundantly than what? Than what we've experienced. Abundant life has prosperity in it, but we, we spend a lot of our time trying to become prosperous. That's not true prosperity. True prosperity is, he said, I would that you, um, what does it say? He says, I would that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. Let's get prosperous in our soul. And then all the rest, I mean, that's just money. Solomon had golden hinges on his door, st- on his horse stalls, golden hinges. 
It was, it's nothing for God to get gold to us. It's a whole lot for us to get ready where he can give it to us. We want to be en route to be in there where he can give us and trust us with billions. Where we don't just think we're something special. It's all for his name's sake. It's for his kingdom. We're not, have our own ministry. You know, when I say I don't have, I have a ministry, but it's really his ministry. (laughs) He does what he wants to with me. And I can honestly say that. I don't speak anymore out there. I, I pray about it, you know. If the Lord wants me out there, he'll, he'll get me out there. But I, he knows where I am. He knows right where I am. And he'd have to do it because that takes money. And he knows that. So I'm just waiting, you know. If he wants me there, he can get me there. He can tell me to go there. He leads us to be led by the Spirit means that we are the sons of God. In Romans 8:14 it says they that are led by the spirit these are the sons of God. We call ourselves sons. We call ourselves sons the minute we walk in that door, but we have to learn to be led by the spirit. We have to recognize him on every front. Turn to Philippians uh 2 5 through 15. This is, this is the last of the scriptures I'm going to read to you, but think about it, what it's saying here. It says that, um, <clears throat> where is Philippians? There it is. 2, 5 through 15. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let. It means you let it be there. You can have another mind. You can have a different mind. But it says, let, you are the subject. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That at the same time of Jesus, every knee should bow at that name of Jesus. Every knee should bow of those in heaven. Yay. And of those on earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's a good state to be in. I mean, I'm not saying gross, you know, just unbearable sobbing and all that i'm talking about reverential fear of god we are not our own we've got a a pearl what is her name pearl mini pearl tag hanging on us said bought by jesus we we have been tagged we are bought by somebody else and we don't have the right to stand up in all our glory and say i got it together no we don't 
it says, work out your own salvation. This going back and forth that I've been doing up here, that's the working out. Uh, staying in the pressure cooker, that's the working out. Stay in there. You are God's. Even though everything says you're not God's and this is a very sticky place and stinky place to be and you don't want to be there, humble your mind and say, who am I? I'm going to work out my salvation. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. We're not our own. We need to will and to do for his good pleasure, not our good pleasure. It's his good pleasure to give us riches. He says it over and over. He'll give us riches, and he'll make us so rich that we finally get wealthy or opposite, however that works. But, I mean, he wants, it takes money to run the kingdom of God. But we've got so many people chasing manna that are his that he can't trust us with the millions and billions he wants to pour into us. So let's get, to, let's get after it. And, I, and I've talked with so many people, both in my class and in another class I teach out in Waller. I've talked with so many people who are in this stage of, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. This just didn't work. And I'm thinking, hang on, Lucy, because it's pastors taught us that through those hard times, these are stones, layers, places of promotion. Difficult times can be a place of promotion. Keep that in your thinking. I am going through this. I know that y'all are going through a difficult time working so far apart and, and on different continents and all of that thing. Hang in there. God is doing a work. And he's doing a work here that nowhere else Can he do it? Begin to humble yourself. Begin to say, I want to learn what you're trying to teach me in this pressure cooker. And and be mindful that he can shorten or lengthen the time depending on (laughs) what you do in there. He knows when you're tenderized enough. He won't kill you. But he knows when you're tenderized enough where you will be preserved when he takes you out. And he'll be able to put you up on the shelf and use you for his glory in the right time. I love y'all. I love, I love this body of people. I love y'all. And um, just let me pray. Father, I pray that none of, not any of this word will be lost, but that the understanding would go in, the understanding of walking in your pasture. The understanding of you setting a table there so we can put our foot on the neck of the devil while we eat your blessing off of that table. Lord, so we can, he's there for us to put our foot on. And Lord, that, that you lead us beside still waters. We don't dare try to drink from a fire hydrant or from a waterfall. We wait for the still water. We thank you, Lord, that we are going to learn how to walk Those six scriptures out with a new mindset, the 23rd Psalm, Lord. Thank you for them. Thank you for David's view of your your kingdom, of being a shepherd, Lord. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. And bless this church with the visions that you've given us, Lord, of growth 
But let it be internal growth as well. Let it be fullness, Lord, like we've never known before. We bind every foul spirit from sickness. We bind you off this church and our members. And we loose the sheep in Jesus' name to lie down in green pastures and be healed. It's healing and restored, Lord, in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.